0: I'm not at home today. I'm actually out of the house because we're having some work done. So consequently, I'm at, um, there's actually a really great community center. It's like a recreational facility, um, not too far from my house. And they have, um, the Wi-Fi hotspot here is um, provided by the company that I also get internet service at home from, so I can hop on it. And it's actually really quite good bandwidth. So consequently, good for this sort of application. Cool. And they have coffee. Also cool. So we've been meaning to do this for a little while, haven't we? Um, And it just has not managed to materialize mostly because my schedule is the mess that it always is. But I I think we've at least gone through one round of, um, one complete round of daylight savings time trying to make this work. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And ultimately, it didn't work, and I all just I had to take a day off of work to actually make it happen. So, appreciate it. Thank you for doing that. Mm, not a problem. Actually, you know, this is um, this is like one hundred percent podcasts today because after this, I'm heading over to the um, local Scouts Canada office, and I'm doing an interview there for my other podcast. And then this afternoon, I have an interview with some people from. Um, the Scouts Canada Council based out of Calgary uh, about uh, one, of the, uh, one of the major camps, physical camps that they run. So right. it's just record and then record and then record and hopefully find a Valentine's Day gift for my wife. So where do we start? Well, you are the developer of U3.5 Pax Britannia, which is a one of one of numerous ultima fan projects. Um, the, retro really seems to be in it. I mean yours is not like Brand Spanking New this year, but you know, you are definitely one of the people who's been riding the uh, or who's been not riding, is the wrong word, but who's you know definitely been um, Pushing for a very retro design feel. Um, so much so, actually, that you're building it for the ZX Spectrum platform. And you were kind of doing that uh, building for old hardware before it was cool. You know, now we've seen a resurgence of games targeting the Commodore 64 as a system. But you were building for the Spectrum, uh, building Pax Britannia for the Spectrum for a number of years prior to the
1: emergence of some of those projects. Correct. Um, well, in fact, originally, um, what I was trying to do was to do a port of Ultima IV, um to some um, development of the ZX Spectrum that I designed myself. And then, somewhere along the process, a couple of things happened. Um, first of all, I realized nobody owns this thing, so if I do it, no one will play it. Um, and the other thing that happened was that um, some other Spectrum developers were playing around with um, some raster-chasing technologies which um, enable you to overcome one of the limitations of the hardware, which is that ordinarily, um, I suppose people are probably more familiar with the Commodore 64, but if you um, are aware of the character-based mode where you can pretty much only have two colors per cell, um, well, it's always like that on the spectrum, but you don't even have 320 by 25 characters. You get 32 by um, 32 cells as opposed to 40 um, by 24. So uh, it's quite limiting. But because of the way the um, the frame buffer is drawn to the screen, you can manipulate the frame buffer in real time and you can increase the vertical resolution of color. So you can get uh, two colors per line of 8 by 1 pixels. Uh, and and this was something that, that people had done for sort of menu effects and that kind of thing, but nobody had put it in a game before. Um, And so I can't remember how many years ago it was now. But anyway, at some point, I I saw somebody put this in a game. And and you can't do the whole width of the screen because there just isn't enough CPU time to do it. But they they managed to get 16 columns. And I thought, I wonder if I could just get another two columns. And that would give me the 18 um, column uh, view that I would need for uh, the view window uh, in Ultima 6 and then maybe I could adapt all of the work that I'd previously been doing on porting Ultimate 4 to doing an original game on the Spectrum. And it turned out, yes, there was a technique by which I was able to get 18 columns. Um, then at that point, uh, the machine I was originally developing for had 256k uh, uh, RAM, and then I had half the RAM to play with, and I thought, well, you know, Ultimate 4 is not going to fit. So right. logically, I'll do something else. And and. Also, the machine has a horrible RAM paging system. It's, it's really awful. The, um, basically it's 16k pages in the top 16k of the address space. Um, <laughs> but the, but the video buffer is in there as well. So it, it's just awful. Uh, <laughs> which probably explains why there weren't very many programs that, that actually targeted that model back in the day. But if you know in advance all of the limitations and then you structure your your game around those limitations, you can do something quite neat. Um, and so basically the whole of Pax Britannia kind of came out of that. The the size of the world map is 256 by 256 because that matches exactly to a 16k chunk, which means that I can page the map in, go grab the section of the map that I need and page it out again. Um, if it was any bigger, it just wouldn't work. Um, so The the whole thing really is um, very, very closely targeted to this one specific model, in fact, of spectrum. Um, Because different spectrums have different timing, uh, different CPUs. They have, uh, well, so many differences that um, I decided, okay, I'm just going to target this one model. Um, All right, then. And and, so, um, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, so I I went for the one that's basically got the most RAM and is the fastest.
0: All right. Um, would I be correct in assuming that this would also be the model that most spectrum
1: emulators um, present to the user? Uh, actually, no. Um, the generally speaking, most spectrum emulators just emulate the 48k model. Hmm. Um, although that's less true now, I and mean, that certainly used to be the case. Now the the standard model you you usually get is the original 128k model. Um, but the the model I am targeting is a later. Uh, revision, which has got um, sort of about wanting to go into all of the technical stuff. But um, there are wait states that happen on uh, I.O. reads on the earlier machine due to uh, a bug in the how, um, which is very technical, but basically it's slower, which means you've got less time per frame to do things. And obviously, when you're already chasing the raster in order to increase the graphic resolution you want as many T states left over by the time you've done that as possible so that you can do everything else in the frame. Right. now, But the good news is that most emulators do support this model. It's just not selected by default. Oh, okay. So
0: that's how that's going to work. Because I was going to wonder how, um, because I know, you know, obviously you're building for the spectrum, but then when you've talked about the project, um, you know, you've mentioned like ZXDS, you've mentioned, or well, no, that's, or, well, like you've mentioned the DS emulators for the Spectrum, you've mentioned, uh, and for Windows and other platforms as well. And so uh, I was just kind of forming this, I was like, oh, okay, well, if this model is not supported in the emulators, are you building two versions of the game? But if it's a selectable option, then it should be all right.
1: So my, my feeling is that actually the way I want to present it is um in a in a wrapper so that um basically you don't have to configure the emulator at all. You'll just get a start. I mean pretty much the way um Gog um with with these stocks, yeah. so that yeah, you'll just you'll have a wrapper application, you'll fire it up, and the fact that it's running on an emulated spectrum under under the hood won't you won't even really be aware of that. You'll just get the game. Um and the other thing that's happened um since I started developing, is that the ZXDS emulator that will enable you to play it on the DS now supports this model as well. So that's good. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I mean, it it will run on the other model. So if you have a real Spectrum 128, it'll run on it. But the problem is that the memory contention is different and the amount of IO contention is different. So what will happen is it'll glitch a bit and it won't be as enjoyable an experience, but it will run. Gotcha. I guess in a certain
0: way like the experience of designing for this and addressing the different limitations of the hardware and the memory and timing and all the rest like that really kind of lets you go back in time in a certain sense and experience some of the same challenges that you know like even Richard Garriott and and later Origin would have for the first few Ultimas right and you know Absolutely. so you're making a lot of the same design choices based on a lot of the same considerations that they would have had to when they were trying to build for Apple II or Commodore.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people don't often draw the parallels between the two machines, but I think the spectrum actually has an awful lot in common with the Apple II because it's the same design philosophy. It's how can we do this as cheaply as possible? Um, so, I mean, with the, the with the Apple II, you've got the limited color problem. Um which you know you work around by using the the kind of aliasing effects that you get on NTSC televisions. Um I mean, there are there are other parallels, and and you know I don't have my Apple II tech sheet in front of me, so I can't remember them off the top of my head. But but certainly, and and the the constrained address space as well is definitely um, in common. So yeah, I kind of I feel Richard's pain.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> You got. You got to. You you really have to love what you're trying to craft in these situations because I think that's the only way that anybody would ever be bothered to put up with the pitfalls that uh, <laughs> that are so manifestly apparent.
1: Um, absolutely, but on the other hand, the the fact that you have these hard constraints that you you know you've got this amount of memory, and in fact on on the spectrum you're even more constrained because the majority of machines are tape based, so you don't have the option to go to the disk and uh load resources in from there basically you've got to fit the whole thing in, in the available ram um now i sort of cheat on that because i have the character creation as a separate program um, right and, and you can skip it so if, if you're running on a real machine and you, you have to wait 20 minutes for the thing to load or i mean i don't know how long it will be i, I only use emulators now but um it uses the rom loading routine so it's not fast uh-huh. and it is up 28k of data because it fills the ram so if you want to just skip ahead and play the uh, the game, you can just load the game side, and then there's a default character that you can play that's already available for you. Um, Brilliant. But yeah, everything else then has to fit in that 128k, um, and it does that by a variety of. Um, some of it is compressed, some of it is generated on the fly, um, and a, and a lot of it is just yeah. There's a it, it takes up a lot of room.
0: No doubt, no doubt. So, now I mean like. This project's obviously been in the works for for, for quite a while. Um, and I think, you mention it on the history page on the Pax Britannia domain. That's right, yeah. So you talked about, you know, trying to port Ultima 4. And then initially, um, you had kind of styled this as being like a named Ultima, but then, you know, for various reasons, back to that off. And now all that remains is just, a U in front um, but like if you do look at the Pax Britannia subdomain at the Ultima Codex um, you do still say a, a fan-made game set between Ultima 3 and Ultima 4 so you're really obviously taking a lot of inspiration from that period in the history of the Ultima series or the lore of the Ultima series I guess would be a better uh, way to put it where you know your your post-exodus, your post cesaria even, and it's kind of you know when Lord British is trying to pull the realm together into what will become Britannia. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, it's, I, I still think of it very much as being Ultima three point five, but obviously it's my take on it. It's it's not an official um, title, and I know I think some people kind of initially took umbrage at the fact that I was even using. Um, the ultimate name, so that that's what led to the name change there. But I think, you know, if you if you read the um, uh, manual or you know the box art, it's it's fairly obvious this is this is definitely um, uh, an intermediate chapter, albeit not an, uh, an official one. The, the main difference, I think, from um, the other games is that you're not playing the avatar here. Here you are actually playing a native of uh, what will become Britannia.
0: Brilliant, um, right? And then you know just sort of. I guess, I mean, maybe inspired by, uh, because like Obsidian just released, I think it was Obsidian. Yeah, it was Obsidian just released a game they're calling Tyranny. And in Tyranny, you play essentially, oops, dang it, Windows, thought I put you on quiet mode. Anyways, not important. In Tyranny, you're basically playing, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, you're playing an agent of the Dark Lord who has vanquished or has nearly entirely vanquished this fantasy realm. And so, you know, like, you're not, in a way, you're just, you're playing tyranny and you're just, you're a nobody. You, I mean, you're in charge of some armies and stuff like that, but fu- functionally you're just a flunky um, carrying out your liege's will. Now, obviously Lord British is not, um, unless you live, unless you are a denizen of serpentile, Lord British is not uh, you know, this evil conquering overlord who has subjugated the land, but is it kind of the same idea where, you know, like you are moving through um, the realm and you're basically, you're, you're like a, you know, you're, you're there to to serve the will of your liege. Is, is that kind of how it's structured? Um, or are you just well, some think, guy? Or are you just some guy who starts out yeah, in town and gets caught up in events?
1: Um, I think the, the, from the intro, which, and again, I, I did, uh, release a, um, um, playable sort of more like a, a, proof of concept of the character generation. But if you read the story on that, what, what it, um, becomes very clear to you. And I'll just, will just go off with a tangent for a minute. But one of the, one of the things that I did want to do with this, there was, a, there was a big complaint with a lot of the, um, the Ultimates from the second trilogy. Um, that, you know, it was okay that, you know, you could load your characters from the previous game, but, if you didn't do that, you were starting off at, you know, kind of a very low level and you, you would just go and get beaten by some rats or whatever. So it, the first thing I wanted to do to address that was at the start of this game, you're already battle hardened. In fact, it, it's set just immediately after the end of the Battle of the Bloody Plains and oh, you're one of the survivors. So whatever, whatever character class you end up with, you, you start with a full set of, um, equipment. And and you're battle hardened, so you have experience. So, although you know there will be level one in the game, you won't be level one. You'll be coming into it quite able to handle yourself in in sort of small to mid range uh, battles, even before you get a party. Okay. Cool. And the pre- and the premise is that so the battle is ended, um and the the lands haven't quite settled down. So the map isn't the the one that's familiar from Britannia, but it's on the way to being that. Um and Lord British puts out the call. He says, You know, I need, I need somebody to, um, I've got this proposal to unite the land. I think it's a good idea, but you know, I'm Lord British. I can't just go off and see all the rulers of these city states. Uh, I need somebody to act as an intermediary for me. Um, and so he puts the call out and you answer that call. So you are a diplomat who then has to go and talk to the leaders of the various um, city states and negotiate um, under what circumstance they will join. Um, under his rulership.
0: Cool. Um, oh, yeah, and I see, actually, that you posted... Man, I really got to catch... Okay, so you posted a um, a bit of a calendar entry on the website, which talks a little bit about, yeah, where this fits in in the timeline. And I noticed, actually, too, recently that you posted some notes on, like, what the default starting character class will be, so you will evidently, if you don't go through the character creator, start as a female barbarian named Tyrus, and you'll be equipped with a sword and leather armor to start with. So, yeah, you do come into it,
1: you know, relatively ready to go. Um, If anybody remembers Golden (laughs) Axe. Ah, right. Okay. There you go.
0: Um and oh my gosh, the key commands! I, I just I love reading the list of like key commands here because it's like yes, this is this is truly an early Ultima because pretty much every letter is used.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I in terms of the um, the interface, it's kind of I think also in terms of the available the the game world area, the amount of RAM um, and the scope of the thing. I think it is actually about um, twice the size of Ultima Three. Uh, which makes it about half the size of Ultima 4. Fair enough.
0: Which, you know, uh, would be good to fit between so the two. What,
1: what that means is I've been able to, um, you know, in some cases, I've, I've sort of, I've taken, um, bits from later in, in the, uh, the series. I mean, for instance, if you look at the, um, on the screenshots page, there's only one screenshot, but if you look at the dungeon view, it's a detailed view rather than wireframe. Um, so it looks more like an Ultima 5 dungeon, but in fact, it's all composed of tiles, which enables me to Fit it within the the small RAM footprint, um, and again in terms of so the, the the keyboard commands. Well, it's a spectrum. There isn't a mouse. Um, you could have one, but I don't really have room in the in the game for an engine to deal with all of that and the keyboard. So it's the keyboard, um, and then again the the commands relate to um, how you play the game. Um, one of the uh, the details with that dungeon view is that. Um, because it's tile based and I don't have a compositing layer, you can't have the ladders that hang down or poke up. So, uh, in, uh, U3.5 dungeons, you get staircases. Um, oh, fair enough. That works. You don't actually need to, uh, use, um, uh, climb or descend on those because you just walk into them. Um, but those, but on the other hand, when you're on the top, um, View in the two D view, you, you do still have ladder, so you still need those commands. But um, that was the thing. So the keyboard commands are very much um, you know mapped to what will be possible to do in the engine.
0: I noticed too. You were talking about the compositing layer, and I noticed in the screenshot there's like a, a some character, gargoyle, Balron, whatever it is. But I noticed that it is you know like you can't see behind it. Right? There's no transparency yeah. to it. It's just basically a black square with the monster on top of it that
1: yeah and, and you for the notice tunnel. it's a chunky um and the reason that it's chunky is because there's actually no uh separate sprite for it um and what it's doing is it's just it's taking the the two um two cell uh by two cell sprite data and magnifying it um and again the other reason that uh you can't see behind it is because with the limitation of two colors uh per cell there isn't really a way to to composite on the the spectrum hardware right um,
0: and I noticed just looking over some of the other screenshots, oops, screenshots here on the page, I mean you've got um, some samples of character creation, you've got like the gypsy questions, so um, presumably the virtues are going to make a bit of an appearance, at least if you go through the character creator, right? I don't think that's part yeah, of I
1: mean, I think it. I would call them the proto-virtues because of course the virtues aren't set at this point point. Um, and so you get to, um, you can kind of lean towards things that aren't really virtuous And if you do that, you might end up uh, with your character playing the Thief class.
0: Ah, fair enough. Now, do you have the option to kind of... Because, you know, you mentioned again that um, the game kind of begins with you answering the call from Lord British. But do you have the option to, shall we say, go against the king's
1: plans? Well, um, it's it's open-ended in the sense that um really it, it it's a sandbox game. In fact, in that respect I'm kind of I'm benchmarking it against Grand Theft Auto of all things because I want you to uh, basically be able to do any of the missions in any order or choose to not do them at all. Um so I suppose if you want to go against uh Lord British it's easy, just don't complete the missions. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can leave the land ununited. Um I mean, that's the other thing. The, the idea is that, you know, it should be a rewarding experience if all you want to do is, um, you know, go tool around some dungeons and, um, power up your character. Um, but at the same time, actually leveling up isn't a requirement to, uh, to complete the game because it is possible to, um, to complete all of the tasks using nothing but diplomacy. Interesting.
0: It's very Ultima 6 in that respect. I mean, not necessarily the diplomacy per se, but Ultima 6, you never had to level up
1: to actually pass it so yeah i mean it's, I, I think it's the things that distinguish ultimas from other games in the genre is that they, they give you a lot more flexibility and i think the um the goal of actually being able to do real role playing as opposed to just having the mechanics of, of pen and paper role playing is something that, that you know i certainly think um Ultimate did a good job of and it didn't always get the balance exactly right but it was always trying to refine it um, and that's why I think, even though obviously this is not an official Ultima, I think people playing it will hopefully feel, yes, this feels like it's a part of not just this world, but of, of this design uh, ethos. Definitely.
0: Of course, um, now you've also spent a lot of time sort of capturing a lot of the, you know, talking about what distinguishes Ultima. You've also spent a lot of time and effort on making sure that you're capturing another important aspect of what makes Someone's rolling by with a... Anyways, uh, what makes an Ultima in the sense that, you know, you've gone to to great lengths to create um, some absolutely gloriously gorgeous documentation. Um, you've got, I believe at present, at least on the documentation page, three documents linked. So you have the player reference card, which, you know, sort of that classic uh, keyboard commands and some other stuff that players should know about the game. Um, if you've <coughs> ever cracked open an Ultima box... Out there in listener land you know what those look like, um, and then of course you've got a lore book and then uh, a history book essentially. So you've got the the book of lore is that's what the. So I always
1: get So I'm, th- th- um, I'm calling out the feelies in front of me now because obviously I've got the prototypes of all of this. Yes, of uh, course. So and that's the-, the best part is that you do have the physical feelies. Um, so I've got the cloth map, uh, which again that's still in the prototype stage. The reason being that was really just to. Um, to see whether uh, the producer could, could bring back something that looked reasonable, um, and I'm very happy with it. But in fact, the, um, the full version when it goes ahead, which I won't do until the game is complete, just in case there are any changes to the geography, um, is, is going to be of a, of a much higher quality. And I've actually got an artist on board um, who will hopefully produce that for me. So you should be looking um, really, really gorgeous item that I think uh, people will, will really enjoy. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But um, yes, there is the uh, the player reference card that's critical because you will need to know what the keys do and uh, moon yes. phases, um, and also uh, sort of the, the basics of of the interface. Um, and then the other book is there's uh, there's the single there's just one book of law. So that that combines the um, the sort of the world overview and and the spell information in a single book. That's right. The third um, one was know. the clue book, wasn't it? Yeah, um, so the, the, the clue book, again, that's um, very much inspired by the, um, the, the clue books you could, you could buy for the original Ultimus, and it will have um, the, all of the all of the town maps um, help you uh, to complete the game if you get stuck um, through the, uh, the critical path, that kind of thing. Um, and obviously, that'll be an optional extra because I'm not going to put that in the game because solve uh, you it yourself.
0: Yes, indeed. And I mean, at some point, you'll probably have to come up with a way for people to actually purchase a a copy of each of these by some means.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think probably it'll be um, either uh, directly um, on a sort of print-on-demand basis, or um, I may actually just put it out there on Amazon. Um, The obviously, I have to be a little bit careful in terms of this is this is very much a non-profit. You know, I do, do not intend to make a trim from this game presented now um, because of the use of of, uh, the Electronic Arts IP. Now, the thing is, because it's an original story, I can change the names of all of the characters, and I can take out all of the ultimate references, and I could do another um, sort of launch of this as a commercial venture. But I think were I to do that, I I would do it differently on a different platform. So I think the the spectrum version will just be this version. And then I've, I've just got the, um, the draft of the, um, of, I guess you call it the user manual in front. So you've got the, the history section, which kind of brings you up to speed with everything that's happened in, in the series until the start of the game. You've got the geography section, which lists all of the, um, the settlements. Then you've got the professions. And I think, um, I don't know if, if people are, are, are aware too much, but you've got pretty much the same number of choices that you had in Ultima 3. But the, uh, the the professions have sort of moved closer to the ones that are found in Ultima 4.
0: Right. And I seem to recall, too, you recently posted something on your dev blog regarding um, character classes. Hang on. Let's see if I can actually pull it up here. Spells, file extensions. <clears throat> oh, okay. No, that was more for... Um, if other people wanted to make games with the Z-Exodus engine, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I noticed that here you were kind of mapping the extant classes within the engine to JRPG class types. So warrior to Ronin, uh, rogue to Yakuza, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, but Well, I was just going to say that so the, the, the characters you can play are fighter, mage, thief, paladin, barbarian, bard, illusionist, druid, alchemist, and ranger.
0: Okay, so some classically Ultima and some
1: a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah, I mean, these, these are all um, classes that either appeared in Ultima 3 or Ultima 4. Um, but obviously the Ultima 3 classes themselves were much closer to uh, sort of the advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And so I guess,
0: uh, and of course, you know, which class the characters end up in will be determined by... Well, by the character creation program, unless they want to play as the default. Um, yes, which is why we needed a bigger
1: abacus. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, there's a Jaws joke here. We're going to need a bigger abacus. But so I, I guess like I would be curious to know, for example, like how how would one necessarily end up in an illusionist like, you know, of, of, of any of the virtues or proto virtues, as you called them earlier. Um, yeah, which one um, or ones think,
1: would one have to really favor to end up as an that illusionist? One comes down to whether, whether you you serve cinnabons or cake for breakfast, actually. But um. cinnabons, nice, excellent. I like that. Every Ultima dragon, take note. Uh, but yeah, so the um, it's kind of it's more fluid than um, than the ultimate four creation process in that yeah you've got. Um, and also, in terms of the questions, so I went back and I looked at the, uh, the questions for Ultima 4, but also for um, the uh, Worlds of Ultima um, titles. So, some of, some of the questions are inspired um, by the ones that Freud asks you, um, and the others uh, are inspired uh, by Savage Empire. So, you actually you might end up getting asked the same question, pretty much the same question twice. But because it's asked in a slightly different way, or phrased in a slightly different way, it will, it will have a different um, influence on the outcome. So um, it's not random, um, but maybe it'll be less obvious, so you won't be able to, to do what some people did, which is they just figured out kind of, um, you know, the, the easy way to get the character they wanted. Yeah, the
0: Virtue Questions were pretty easy to game, even up until, like, Ultima 9. Uh, whenever they popped up, they were usually pretty easy to game. But... So that's good. I mean, you know, finding ways to add a little bit of nuance and a little bit of um, just just to make it a little bit different and a little bit harder to just, you know, automatically go in with, you know, oh, yeah, I'm totally definitely going to get this character class. That's good. Now, we mentioned just or I mentioned just previously the Z Exodus engine. So that, of course, is the engine that you've created with which to build this game. And... You know, just based on, again, your wording here in the JRPG Class Suggestions blog, I'm assuming at some point that there may, or that someone else may want to make a game with Z Exodus. So do you have plans then to release the engine?
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to make it available if anybody does want to go through the sheer hell of trying to design a, <laughs> a RPG with all of the constraints that, uh, that you will have. Um, it, essentially... Um, Because I actually document a modern game engine for a living, Um, what I've done since I took on that job is that I have completely restructured the the Z Exodus engine to um, be very much uh, uh, more modular. And and so you can basically, if, for instance, you just wanted to do a dungeon crawler, you could pull in the the 3D dungeon part of it and you could leave the 2D thing out, which obviously would then give you more room to fix. You could perhaps have uh, more detailed sprites in that. View. Um, but but the idea is actually you, sh- you shouldn't really need to touch the code very much um, in order mm. to create your own game. You should be able to um, use a lot of very nice tools that exist already to create maps and that kind of thing. Uh, and there's a, a, a scripting language for the engine, which is essentially a version of classic Basic that compiles to uh, Z80 code. Um, the kind of the game story is is all is all done in that. So um as long as you've created all of the of the game assets um you can pretty much drop them into the build process and you don't have to uh worry too much about playing maps or displaying the dungeon mode or switching from one mode to the other or or dealing with all of the um keyboard commands and that kind of thing because all of that is taken care of um, by the engine so you can concentrate on just doing the story um I suppose the really the only reason I can think why you might want to use Z-Exodus rather than something like RPG Maker is I've got 3D dungeons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know what that is kind of a thing. You know, if you're trying to create games or create a game that you know really homages a particular era in in um, the history of CRPGs, then you know having that support for the 3D dungeons versus the top-down view of like an RPG maker or even some of the later Ultimas, six, seven, et cetera, Um, Like that's a, that's a big difference because there is a fairly, there, there, I don't know if it's that clean, but at least, you know, within the Ultimas there is a very clean break between, you know, okay, like here was the era of when we had first person dungeons and then here's the era of when we no longer did except for the two old under underworld, um, underworld titles. Mm. So now I did want to talk a little bit about, um, like we mentioned emulators before, because you know who actually has a Spectrum um, kicking around, and you know you mentioned that for Windows, and I'm assuming you could probably do this with Linux and OS X as well, um, but at least you know with those platforms you're probably going to wind up just doing a wrapper. Um, you do list some emulators on the website that um, you know will support PAX Britannia. So Windows um, would be Specky, Linux and OS X would use Fuse. Android and iOS will be supported via something called Spectaculator. Cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, one one of the issues with the the mobile operating systems is that a lot of the the emulators on those platforms are very simple and they don't uh, faithfully um, render the scan lines. Um, So if they don't do that, then you lose all of the color resolution and you just get uh, fairly chunky blocks that don't look very nice. But Spectaculator does properly do that? Spectacular Spectaculator does.
0: Excellent. And then for the Wii, which will be interesting, I actually might try this on the Wii since I have one, Um, FBZX, you list there. I'm assuming that's Homebrew
1: Channel. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do not know whether that uh, um, is still supported on the Wii U because obviously that's an old list. mm, Fair enough.
0: But I, I do want to talk a little bit about, because, I mean, I think, you know, for the most part, a lot of these are going to be known quantities. I mean, Android and iOS, I could see that being a little bit, you know, weird, um, but if Spectaculator has been well-developed, then it probably won't be that much of an issue. For the desktop OSs. again, I don't really, you know, it should just launch inside a window, not unlike DOSBox. Yeah. But I got to admit, I've always been fascinated by the DS, the plans for the DS. Because you've been doing some interesting stuff specifically for the DS, Um, I believe, right? Like, I think… Yeah. Fireball. I mean, basically, what I've done is yeah. I've
1: skinned the emulator. Um, so uh, when when you fire it up, it, pre- it presents. Um, I mean, so just to explain how it works, because the DS has a separate touch screen,
0: Right, dual um, screen,
1: and because the original DS has the the um, the same display resolution as the Spectrum, it's two five six by one nine two. So wow. the top screen is perfect match for the view, goes right up to the edge. So that that's going to look really nice. Um, and then the lower screen is basically an on-screen keyboard. So normally it looks a bit like a Spectrum keyboard, but I thought, well, that's kind of, you know, if you're playing the game, you don't care about the, the, um, the basic commands. What you want is a reminder of what that key does in the game. So based on, um, UI of Ultima 6, um, I created a keyboard, uh, layout for it that, you know, has all of those, um, shortcuts for the, um, the, the game commands on it. So when you're playing it on, on the uh, the DS, you, you're still using the keyboard, um, although also you'd, um, you'd be able to move the character around using the uh, the joypad part of that. But you have this kind of on-screen um, instruction card, if you like.
0: That That's, yeah. I mean, I've seen some screenshots of the of the keyboard that you created, although I'm assuming that was a prototype version and it's seen some revision since then. But um, you completely nailed the Ultima Six aesthetic and... Like that's, I just, I'm so fascinated by this version of, by this particular version and, you know, the way you're building to support this particular emulator because it's just, it's another one of those examples, much like the rest of the game itself, but it's, you know, one of those examples of, you know, sort of really taking maximum possible advantage of some of the unique aspects of the hardware. Now, whereas, you know, in creating the game, that's mostly about overcoming limitations and building you know, to the maximum extent possible that those limitations allow you to do. With the DS, it's, it seems much more like you know a playground. It's just like, oh, hey, look, I have this screen and I have this screen,
1: and we can use this. Like this can, this can be cool. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think one of the um, the, the things that's always been a, a challenge is to is to have. Um, portable ultima and i think probably one of the best um, examples so far is the uh the game boy port of ultima 3 um, right but it, it does use very small tiles every tile is just a single character cell because the game boy screen is even smaller i think it's 240 by 160 pixels um and it seemed to me that um this was uh zx's engine was a good fit because it, it makes the, the best use of, of the screen and it doesn't feel cramped um, in a way that actually the old, uh, Ultima 4 port that I was working on did feel cramped because the upshot of having the full 11 by 11 view screen was that the text was incredibly cramped and compressed and you couldn't really represent runes. You could only have this kind of fairly narrow typeface. So, um, it just, it, it feels really natural. Um, and I've, obviously I've been running, um, the, um, the test builds and that kind of thing. On on the DS that I bought specifically for this, I have no DS titles. I just have the emulator and and Pax <laughs> Britannia, it's so, all. Um, but yeah, so you know, I'm kind of my own play tester for that one. But I'm I'm really happy with it. It's uh, if you if you want to take an Ultima around with you, this is this is definitely going to achieve that.
0: I, I got to admit, I've been tempted lately to pick up a 3DS because obviously the DSs aren't readily available in stores anymore. Um, yeah. Would the 3DS similarly be supported
1: it it is supported I mean basically I, I think um any DS that Nintendo produces that is backwards compatible with original DS software will work okay. um the, the downside is that uh the it's only the original DS series and the um the one actually from that series I would recommend if you're buying a used one is the DSi XL just because it has the largest uh, screen for both of them uh, so it makes typing a lot easier and uh and See the graphics more clearly, but uh, yeah, something like the um, the 2DS uh, would support it. Cool, cool.
0: Oh, oh, so the 2DS would as well. Well, that's all right. Hmm. I'll keep that one as um, but an too. And,
1: and, 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 and unless Nintendo drops support for all the DS titles, um, which I suppose they may do at some point, um, but, but up until that point, as long as it's a way to actually connect the um, third party uh, homebrew cartridge to it, then uh, it should be good. Absolutely. So
0: I guess the, uh, well, one of the bigger questions maybe to ask, and I've held it off until now, but we're, you know, 40-odd minutes in, so maybe we'll uh, we'll ask this. But if you have the ability to project this, um, well, first off, where do you feel that you are in Pax Britannia's development? And, you know, how much longer do you see yourself needing, um, assuming that, you know, Assuming no unforeseen
1: things come along, of course. Uh, Right, you want some dates. Well, uh, (laughs) Or even
0: just ballpark ranges.
1: Yeah, it's impossible to say really um, how long it's going to take because it's it's basically down to how much time I've got to spend on it. Um, In terms of in in the development cycle, um, pretty much all of the assets are created now. Um, So, you know, all, all of the music is done, all the graphics are done except actually for the uh, the character generation uh because I've now got a way of doing those that are higher resolution, so those will need updating. Um, so as I said before, you can't do full screen um, with 8 by 1 pixel color, but you can with 8 by 2 pixel color by rapidly flipping between two different frame buffers. So um, ah. just because I can, I'm going to make those look nicer. Um, okay. But yeah, so I mean, the what's left to do really well i i think the easiest way to do it is if i actually fire up trello because i'm now project managing it in kanban oh nice because <laughs> um, nice. it did get to the point where yeah i really needed to um to do that kind of management on it but um i have i've actually got um a, a set of dates and milestones uh, that i'm aiming towards in order to keep me on track because it's now got to the point where i feel it needs that kind of management but I don't want to make those public because I, I'm I'm critically aware of uh, expectation management. I mean, I know a lot of people are really looking forward to this, and I'm I'm absolutely clear that you know I'm not going to let them down. This is going to get released, um, but it's not going to get released until it's ready. And I'm going to do it right because, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, the, it is based on a game engine, and I want that game engine to be easy to use to produce other titles. Um, so looking, I've got basically the, the complete list of tasks here. So there's the artificial intelligence, the animation, uh, handling binary coded decimal, the audio engine, the debug, uh, the file interface, the interrupt manager, keyboard, uh, the compression, decompression, uh, occlusion, math library, the menu library, network library, physics library, uh, uh, the pseudo random number library, the 2D render library, the 3D render library, the uh, cutscene rendering, the map rendering, the resource manager, shutdown, the sound effects, the startup, the time, and the viewport. So those are the chunks of the engine. Um, so to go back over that, the the AI um, still needs some work. Um, the animation is done. Binary coded decimal is done. The audio engine I've actually released as a standalone engine in case anybody else wants to use it. Um, and that's the Cold Snap audio engine. Right. Um, right. The the debug is quite interesting because of the um, the way the machine is set up. Um, the only thing I'm using the the ROM of the machine for is the file handling, which means I've got um, potentially 64k of ROM space that I can use for whatever I want. Um, and so the plan with that is to actually write a debug suite that will. So on on the emulated machine, effectively it'll be a dev kit machine with a whole set of um, development tools in it that um will never be part of the build package, which means that that's where all the cheats will live, and then I don't have to do a separate build to take the cheats out um, when I ship it, because that ROM set won't be there, so the cheats won't be there, so it's <laughs> just one build, and, and that really, that is gonna help development along, but I need to do more work on that. So that's things like, you know, automatically teleport to any destination, add or remove any items and characters to the party, that kind of thing. Um Funnel I.O. is a simple wrapper on the, uh, the tape loading system, so that's not too bad. The Interrupt Manager is written. The keyboard um, is done, although it's not buffered at the moment, but I think I'll probably get away with that. Decompression is done. Uh, the Occlusion, I have a working model for. So this is basically hiding stuff that you can't see because it's behind a wall in the right. top-down view. Um, so I have a working model that produces the, the correct results um, along the lines of Ultimate 4. Um, but I don't currently, I've, I've only got that running in pseudocode. I don't have that, um, in Z80. So that's something I need to get on. Um, the math library, there's, there's not too much complicated stuff in there, but, um, I'm using binary coded decimal internally for various things. Um, though so having done the binary coded decimal handler, I now need to do things like BCD arithmetic and traction and that kind of thing. One of the nice things about the, um, the Z80 CPU, as opposed to say the 6502, is it actually has internal instructions for doing BCD math. So, uh, really, the, the routines to do addition and subtraction are very, very simple. Um, you just need to uh, to write some multiplication and division routines there. Really. Um, the, the menu system is pretty simple. That's really just the, the start menu where you can uh, do the basic selection options of you know load it, load up a party, save a party, that kind of thing. Um, networking, I'm probably going to leave out for now. There is a potential, um, in the long run that, you know, there are various ways you can connect a, uh, spectrum to the internet. Um, and I like the idea of having a multiplayer version. Um, but that's kind of, it's, there's a stub for it, but I'm not really going to do very much with that. Well, that's Um, a heck of a lot more work. Well, it's, it's less than you'd think. Um, because, uh, the, um, the handlers are all out there. So really it's just firing serial data between, um, two instances of the engine and getting them to talk to each other. So kind of straightforward. But, uh, again, that's, that's something that I want for the engine though. That's, you know, that won't be a part of of, of U3.5 anytime soon, possibly never. Um, pseudo random numbers are done the the 2d rendering is done so the um the ability to uh draw the tiles to the 2d map is done 3d rendering which is incredibly complex is done um the cutscene rendering um that's done but i need to redo the graphics for it the map rendering if you look on the uh the screenshots you can see uh, kind of in the middle of the screen you've got a map view there yep um and that's actually i mean that so there are what, in spectrum terminology, they're called rainbow engines, which is any uh, kind of engine that is designed to chase the raster and increase the color resolution. Okay. So there are actually four separate rainbow engines um, at work here. You've got um, the one that does the 2D view, the one that does the 3D view, the one that does the cutscene view, and then a separate one that does the map view. Um, because the, so uh, again, because of the limitations of memory and spectrum display, For the map it's basically four by four pixels in a specific color relates to a particular tile um the spectrum actually can't display it at that resolution so if you look on the the image you'll see some of the edge of the mountain you've got um bright white where you would actually expect dull white um and that's just it's a thing there's nothing that can be done about it but because it only has to update the color every four pixels that uh engine is much smaller it just runs as a loop Whereas most of the engines um, actually have to be a whole large series of unwound instructions that take up around 7K. Cool. Um, yeah, so then the resource manager is something um, that I need to work on because that's the external thing um, where you say, here are all my assets, now build that into the game. Um, the shutdown is just a stub. Um, the sound effects, I have got the engine working, but I am still tweaking the actual effects because the, the spot effects for things like casting a spell, combat, and that kind of thing are all done on the internal buzzer. Um, because it means I don't have to drop any sound channels from the music or even touch the music player when I want to do a sound effect. Cool.
0: Um, so the startup
1: is, is, is really just, um, kind of clearing out basic and, and all bits of the, um, the standard computer that are there and taking over the whole machine for the game um i time is really to counter so that should take too long and the view the viewport is done so the, the big thing that's not in that is the um the, the scripting engine uh and really what that the way that that has to be done there is already um a tool out there that converts classic basic to uh, to z80 and i'm only using a subset of it but i i do need to implement a way to um variables between the engine and the script engine. Uh, so, you know, you need to have uh, containers essentially for, for all of the items, characters, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's what there is. Um, how far along? Well, you can have all of those things almost completely complete, still not have anything approaching a working game. The reason I think people should uh, feel Reasonably confident that this will get completed is because those are all very much standalone modules, which means that I can go and work on any one of them independently of the others, um, and I have test uh, code, so I can say, okay, that's that's working, and I can just do that. So if I get frustrated doing one thing, I can move on to all, um, and you know, I can make progress that way. So it is it is edging towards completion.
0: Awesome, but again, it just comes down to whether real life intrudes or not. Um, I know you've yeah, had and, that, that respect. um
1: on that score I think you sort of last year real life really um you know, sort of beat me down and stopped me from really doing anything very much. So I, I, I did almost nothing on any of my personal projects last year. Um but this year I've kind of cleared the deck a bit and um uh, got a, a couple of other um irons in the fire besides this project. Um and those at the moment. Um uh, but I, I tend to only work on one thing at a time. So if I feel like a break from those, then I will switch back into U3 the U3.5 development.
0: Smashing. Well, um, I think that's about the extent of the questions I had. But is there anything you feel we've missed? Something that, you know, in particular, you really wanted to share about the project?
1: Um, I don't, well, I suppose the, um a lot of this kind of goes, goes back to earlier stages of the project, but the one thing that's been really helpful to me is the involvement of the community. Um, I, you remember a while ago I put out a call for NPCs, and so, yes. uh, again, m- much like uh, happened in, uh, in Ultima 4, you know, a lot of uh, the dragons are going to have um, their, their own avatar will show up in the game. Um, and that, that's nice because actually I'm, I'm much less dependent on um, trying to come up with names for characters. So, whereas I think some of the characters in Ultimate 3 were perhaps, you know, rather broke the fourth wall, um, that isn't something uh, that, that this will suffer from. Um, it's all kind of w- within the game world. Although, having said that, um, as I said, you know, again, like with the, um, the default character, there are shout outs to, uh, to other games that I enjoyed. Um, and also, I think um, it's not really a secret that I've, I've attempted to resolve the um, the fact that uh, Ray, um appears in both the the Ultimate series and the Bard's Tale series.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, I look forward to to seeing that
1: solution a little bit more in
0: detail. And and again, it's
1: sort of I've. Um, one thing that I particularly wanted to do as well with um, is sort of going back to the the earlier Ultima's word, 1 and 2. Um, there's a sort of question, well, whatever happened to those characters? You know, what happened to the princesses? Um, oh, yeah. I think, um, you know, you might not like the answer that I have for that, but I have actually answered some of those questions as well. Um,
0: that wouldn't be so, the first time Ultima took a bit of a dark turn,
1: you know. Well, um, it may not be what you expect. Um and uh, yeah, so I think if, if you are steeped in the lore of Ultima, um, there will be every, every conversation where a character will, will throw something out for you, um, even though it's, it's going to be a short one because I'm constrained by RAM. Um, but that'll be quite interesting. Um, I think the, the thing that's probably going to divide people about the game that we really haven't touched on um, is, is the fact that I have um, swapped the um the standard gender in the um the character generation questions because i really wanted to underline the fact that um you know this is this is not earth this is not you know medieval earth fantasy setting um the you know and britannia have gender equality um and uh so it kind of it it can it can if if you feel a certain way about that, you may be kind of thrown by the character generation process. On the other hand, you could skip it. So, um, mandatory. Um, I don't know though, because but, I mean, if you think about how many Ultima fans
0: got arsed about the fact that you could only play as the blonde male avatar in Ultima Eight and Ultima Nine. Um, yeah. I, I I mean it it could be contentious. It could prove contentious, but and with another game series it probably would assuredly prove contentious. But because this is Ultima and because the Ultima community has always been a little bit different in this this regard, not solely this regard, but, you know, certainly in terms of... uh, And I mean, because the Ultima games very early on, really kind of, they did, they set that expectation. It's like, yeah, you can play as, well, for lack of a better term, you, whether you, the player, are male or female. So that was kind of, that was always really an option in the Ultima games. And its absence in the last two was something that was more a point of controversy than, you know, the fact that it was ever there in the first place. So it may be that you'll stoke some controversy, but I kind of suspect... That it won't be nearly as controversial as the same design decision would be were you homaging some other game series.
1: Agreed, and and but I also I wanted to do it um, because it's sort of it's something I felt that um, you know if um, some of the cancelled side projects had gone ahead that they might well have done, particularly with um, you know Ares' involvement. Um, so I, I hope that, I, that I've captured some of that. Um, and but obviously, one of the advantages of, of this game is you, you know you're not playing the avatar, so you can um, pretty much you know role play, and you can play as yourself, or you can you can try out some other roles and see how that works out for you.
0: Brilliant. Well, um, I guess we should say thank you for taking the time, and I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen.
1: Me too, and it, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. All right. So.
0: Where can people find out more about Pax Britannia? I think it would be very important to make sure that this
1: information gets out there. Absolutely. So it's paxbritannia.ultimacodex.com. Um, uh, that's uh, Britannia spelt the Britannian way. Um, and, yeah, the I, I've not been posting a lot on the, on the dev blog lately, but as soon as I start to make some progress, that's where it will go. Um, and... Um, if if there's some something really good, I might post a video to uh, the Dragons' Internet chapter so Facebook page.
0: Yes, and what is um, is the Facebook page? Is its URL just a number, or is it like something like Facebook.com/slash Pax Britannia Game or something like that?
1: Um, well, I, I was actually talking about the um, the uh, the Ultimate Dragons group there. Um, oh, so brilliant! They, they, of course, they, yeah. There um, did used to be a separate uh, page for the engine but I've actually rolled that into um, a, a broader page for all of the, the 8-bit type of uh, projects that I'm doing because I've, I've, I've got all sorts of uh, uh, ions in the fire at the moment. Um, but that's still, um, let me just check. <laughs> it shouldn't have moved. Yeah, so that's, um, if you go to facebook.com slash Exodus, that will take you to something called the Chevron Group page. Um, and if you look at uh, that, that includes um, publishing, hardware development, and software development. Um, the publishing side of which uh, will probably be what I use to put out the manual and the, uh, the help guide. The um, Source Solutions, Inc. will be the, uh, the imprint that the game will be published under. And then Chloe Corporation is my crazy uh, mad-hatted scheme to create a, uh, a brand new uh, home microcomputer. Ooh, awesome! Which and and that is what came out of the uh, the original um, prototype that I developed, that I was developing uh, an Ultima 4 conversion on. But because we've got FPGAs now, it can be a lot more powerful than um, hardware. So that's going to have all sorts of bells and whistles on it. Um, be compatible with nothing. So I don't, I don't know whether anybody will uh, have any interest in that or not. But I think when when that's ready to um, to go, I'm going to I'm going to run a kick for that. Um, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll I'll, I'll do an enhanced version of U3.5 on it, just to try and persuade a few people to buy it. But um, but that's uh, yeah, that's a more long-term thing, I think.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you again. And, You're welcome. Um, I look forward to following your developments on Pax Britannia as they happen.
1: I'm, I'm hoping for uh, for this to be a productive year. So um, yeah. Keep well, you posted. I, will, I will drink to that. Even if it's just water, I'll drink to that. Or coffee.
0: Uh, unfortunately, I finished my coffee a while ago. But water bottle, right here. All right. <laughs> will you have a good night?
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I need to get back to work now. But I, do, I would actually just um, like to finish by saying I have just literally finished work on the um, the book for the uh, the 25th anniversary bash at Disneyland. Oh
0: wow! Smashing.
1: Which. Uh, has, um, yeah, that's why I'm sleep-deprived at the moment. Uh, But anyway, uh, so I'd just like to publicly apologize for any mistakes in it, which I assure you are likely to be mine. Um, And I I hope everybody has a fantastic time. I'm really sorry I won't be able to be there with you, but um, I I hope to be there at the 30th. And to, to come back to your earlier question, I would really like to have this finished and ready to play by the 30th. So, there's your time frame.
0: That'd be good. I would like to make it to the 30th as well. I. I'm not going to make it to the 25th, so. But, all right. Will you have a good night? Thank you again. My pleasure. And thank you everyone out there for listening. And until next time, be virtuous.